You've made it to Not Billable, the Law Trades podcast that brings you bite-sized legal and business news updates, full event replays, and conversations with legal pros about what's going on behind the scenes every week. Stop the clock, put the timesheet down, it's time to get started. Hey everybody, I'm Oren Pellet from Law Trades, back as always with another weekly news update, joined by my good friend and fellow law trader extraordinaire, Matt. Matt, tell the good people how you're doing, man. I feel like I'm stuck. One day I'm not going to be living the dream. I'm going to be like living the nightmare. Hopefully no, no, no. not. <laughs> the day you're living, not living the dream or the nightmare, we all got problems. We all got problems. <laughs> living the dream. But I'm, I'm glad dream to hear it. Today. Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear it. Cool. Well, so let's take a look at what we are covering this week. So this week we are talking about Kanye West, something that I did not think we would be talking about, but here we are. <laughs> the debate over buying and selling stocks in Congress, which is a pretty fascinating story. And the former president, President Trump, is facing a new legal battle, this time a subpoena in Congress. So that'll be an interesting thing to talk about. Also, some of the smaller stories, Jay-Z. <laughs> we got two rappers in one episode. Jay-Z has a bit of a uh, cognac kerfuffle. And uh, the CLE in Maine, uh, an, an attorney is, uh, is taking some uh, pretty pretty interesting way to, to, to go about that. So we'll cover that here. But uh, let's start off with buying and selling stocks in Congress. So the Wall Street Journal just kind of like did a deep dive, did a report. The New York Times did one, I believe, last month. Both are kind of detailing widespread buying and selling stocks by federal regulators, by Congress people with, I don't want to say inside knowledge, but they are making the rules. They are on committees overseeing things. And it's all legal. You know, it's all legal. I mean, to your point, right? It's, we're not accusing anyone of insider trading. But you are a legislator sitting on a committee, maybe the fine, you know, some sort of financial committee or the judiciary, or whatever, and you know exactly what's going down the pike, or at least you've got a good, I guess, understanding of how likely something will pass. So you're sitting in right. committee and you are privy to these conversations with other elected officials or staff, and you're like, all right, well, there's a 90% chance XYZ will occur, which will cause this regulation to go into place. And as a result, this stock price in this regulated industry is going to increase or decrease. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think there's there's Twitter accounts and various social media accounts tracking individual elected officials right. on their right. stock, which is funny because they're people. It, it, it's almost like um, stock tips, right? You're following it. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, so and so elected official just said. And it's both sides of the aisle. Yeah. It's both sides that like Nancy Pelosi is one of the most popular ones on that. uh, You know, what did a congressperson trade? Like she's one of the biggest ones on. What was the recent one? I think it was um, computer chips, right? Computer chips. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And they're like, oh, she, uh, I think she dumped all of her stock in the video or whatever it was. And everyone followed suit. So couldn't agree more. We definitely need to see regulation in place that stops elected officials from trading with the information that they do have. Technically, there is something in place. There is something the Act, passed sure. in 2012, the Stock Act, yes, which which bars like true insider trading. And if you trade over, I think it's a thousand dollars or more worth of, of equities, you have to report it within 45 days. And that's but, where sure, and that's where you're getting probably where you're getting all this information. Sure, from these but, uh, yeah, you know what the Wall Street Journal is detailing, what the New York Times is detailing is, you know, maybe that's not enough. You know, they were talking about somebody who was like, like you were just saying, somebody who was in the the U.S. Trade Council setting policy on some digital trade. Meanwhile, he owned about a million dollars worth of Amazon stock, and he was going to directly benefit, et cetera, et cetera. So we're seeing bipartisan support, at least in speech, for new regulation, tighter regulation. My question, my 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 concern actually is, is that just kind of midterm election year? parading? Is it a real thing? That's the thing. 
I think this actually does stem from social media or it's be, it's beginning so much traction. I do think this is more than a midterm issue or at least a midterm point that people can parade around when you get to the ballot box. Right. Yeah, I think over the next few uh, months and then years, you're going to see much more emphasis. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like the GameStock folks, right? Where they were right. like, we are fighting against uh, Citadel and, and the hedge funds. And it's kind of a similar t- sentiment, right? These elected officials who are already fairly wealthy, at least the ones that are trading on this, you know, that the ones that are really making money on the information, they're rallying right. against them, Republican or Democrat, does not matter. So I do think that sentiment will continue to ride over the next, you know, hopefully 12, 26 ever months. Yeah, ever. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it does make sense, right? Like uh, you shouldn't be able to capitalize on this kind of, unique information you have in that, uh, that position of power. There's so. plenty of industries where you have to, one, immediately disclose what your holdings are, and you just can't trade on it. Like when I, I remember working right. for a law firm, and that was explicit that I was provided mm-hmm. a list. I'm like, these are our clients. We're doing work for these clients. You cannot trade right. you know, because you have this information. So I, I, yeah. it makes complete sense to me. And obviously, a lot of Absolutely. folks are just as, I guess, angry as I am about it. So we'll see how that unfolds. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. All right, so let's turn to Kanye West, which is something I never thought we'd be talking about on here, but here we are. So over the last few weeks, Kanye has been spewing all these you know, pretty heinous anti-Semitic comments on his Twitter and Instagram accounts, which in turn got him blocked from those. So now Kanye is looking to buy Parler. Now, Parler is kind of like a Twitter, but if you'll remember, it gained infamy in January 2021, after the January 6th insurrection, where it was revealed that all these far-right groups like the Proud Boys were using it to communicate, to set up whatever it is they were setting up. But that got Parler kicked off of the Amazon cloud service, moved from the Apple App Store, removed from the Google Play Store. And now Kanye wants to buy it and, and kind of turn it into his own thing and then continue spewing these things he was spewing. So it's just kind of a, a crazy turn of events. I think even today, uh, Kanye was was dropped from his Adidas contract, which has lasted the last 10 years. And it brings up these questions of, you know, uh, how freedom of speech works, what are the consequences, etc. Absolutely, absolutely. It's unbelievable to see where Kanye started and where he's ending up right now. I mean, such a prolific figure in the community, in the the rap community. Like, he was like... We all grew up listening to some of the greatest albums of all time. Mm -hmm. Very... Very cool individual. And then all of a sudden, over the last few years, just has gotten, I'm going to say, he's just gotten crazier and crazier and crazier. And to spew such anti-Semitic, disgusting messages, not just through Twitter, not just through social media. I'm watching podcasts now where he's speaking about it. And that's actually where the Adidas drop came from because in one of these recent podcasts, I believe he had said, I could say whatever anti-Semitic things, I'm paraphrasing, whatever anti-Semitic things, and Adidas will never drop me. And then Adidas' stock price went down because everyone said, Adidas, this is absolutely outrageous. And then Adidas dropped Kanye. So to speak to the free speech aspect of it, listen, you have a right to free speech. Now, granted, there are certain restrictions in place through case law, Supreme Court case law. That being said, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing in the Bill of Rights. There's nothing in the Constitution that says that you're not free of consequences, public consequences, right? right. Societal consequences. So right. we're seeing that now. We're seeing where Kanye is kicked off these platforms. He goes, well, this is ridiculous. You know, I, I have free speech. It's Twitter. 
This is Twitter. This is not a yeah. public institution. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Twitter can yeah. do what they want. Instagram can do what they want. Facebook can do what they want. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing mm-hmm. a, we're not seeing a violation of free speech. We're seeing folks flexing their freedom to not associate with Kanye. Right. He has his freedom of speech and they have their freedom to not associate or not provide a service to him. Yeah. That's exactly right. And by right. Parler, which is wild because Parler probably has, I mean, Again, I'm speculating and basing this off of some tweets and news I've seen in the past, but how many users does Parler ultimately have? Probably mm-hmm. not a lot, especially because they're not in the Apple or Google store. So it's this weird play. I would argue it's probably a symbolic play that I'm, I'm aligning myself with the far right. I'm aligning myself with, with the group of folks that, that typically are associated on Parler. Yeah. And he says with this kind of, he, he wants to make sure that conservative opinions like his have a have a home. Now, now to that point, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no, to that good. point, Elon Musk has been kind of saying the same thing in his purchase of Twitter, which is, if I'm going to purchase Twitter, former President Trump is going to come back on, right? I'm going to make sure he's back on. And I wouldn't be surprised if Kanye found himself back on Twitter too, if this happened. Oh, absolutely. I think there were some tweets recently where he keeps doing this, where he'll post like a meme. And it's, I think this was a one of like the three musketeers. It was Trump, and then his sword was whatever, a truth social, I think is whatever it is. Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. the middle was Elon. And then the sword was Twitter or X. I'm sorry. X is this allegedly this new app that he's creating by using Twitter. And then Kanye was the third one with the sword saying parlor. And it's abundantly clear that it, once this transaction, if it does, I mean, we'll probably talk about it again and continue to <laughs> ring our Elon Musk yes. bell. <laughs> Until it's broken, we're going to keep ringing. <laughs> I think it is at this point. I keep yeah. ringing that damn bell. I agree with you. If that deal ultimately closes, it happens. Twitter is owned by Elon Musk. Kanye will be back and spewing the anti-Semitism on Parler and will be spewing it on Twitter. And I hate it. I hate it. I do not love it, yeah. Warren. I, I, no, I, I think I speak. I. Yeah, I think we speak for everyone when we say, you know, at least everyone here on this podcast that we do not condone this kind of speech, I'm Jewish myself, and it's absolutely it disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Well, let's move to uh, another, uh, you know, we were just talking about Trump, so let's, let's kind of uh, transition over to that. Sure. Uh, he was subpoenaed, finally, by the January 6th committee after months of, of testimony. Yeah, and overwhelming evidence that he was kind of the, the kingpin at the top, orchestrating what, what ended up happening that day. Yet to be seen, Knowing Trump yet to be seen if he will challenge us in court, if he'll take it to the Supreme Court, if oh, he yeah. will use some other legal whatever to to block this somehow. But if I can just note, the exact same day that he was subpoenaed, Steve Bannon was convicted and sentenced to prison for you know not showing up to his subpoena uh, in front of Congress. So good, good. Mm-hmm. F- finally, some fangs to the contempt of Congress charge like mm-hmm. granted that can, it, it goes both ways right because could, there could be a scenario where congress acts but this is cut and dry and, this is cut and dry this is, this is not partisan dry. yeah absolutely absolutely so i'm glad to see that there's actual consequences to this kind of claim now for trump with the subpoena i will say this i do not envy con law professors in law school because <laughs> every day <laughs> <laughs> because every day there is a new thing that creates a new litany of case law, most mm-hmm. of the time by former President Trump, that changes the landscape for executive powers, executive privilege, 
and, and these these norms that we never truly codified in, in yeah. constitution or in any sort of like real legal binding writing. So I fully expect this is going to go to the Supreme Court one way or another. And cool, we have a brand new case to throw in the comma books that yeah. we did not have prior to that. That I, So yeah. I, I fully expect to see some new case law on this issue. He's definitely going to take it to the court because I can only fathom, fathom what the responses would be other than I plead the fifth or something like, I'm not answering that. I'm not going to answer that during a January 6th hearing involving former President Trump. Of course. Now, I don't know much about con law. Does Congress, they have the power clearly to subpoena, they don't convict of anything. They just defer it then to the DOJ or what What happens after he subpoenas? That's or a after good Congress uh, subpoenas? So in my understanding... Before everyone on Twitter listens to this and slays me, my understanding <laughs> is if he shirks the subpoena and it goes through all the legal channels and, you know, because that's ultimately what's going to happen. They're going to say the subpoena was lawful. You should have showed up. I would assume you have a new contempt of Congress claim and the DOJ would prosecute it. Oh, well. Is my understanding. Yes. So that though it would be quite interesting to see Congress like levying like real criminal charges against somebody. It would look like Parliament, kind of, right? Like you're in Parliament and everyone's like yelling at you. <laughs> Is that possible? Can Congress actually levy convictions or levy charges? Uh, or? That's not what they're tasked with. So I, it, mm. It's my understanding it would be the DOJ for this. Like the, I, I don't believe Congress has any sort of like um, judicial powers. That, again, like could you just imagine someone sitting in the middle of Congress and just like a bunch of con- you know Congress people are just like yelling at you? That's just what it would be. It'd be everyone just like throwing Basically. tomatoes and yelling. Basically, yeah. And we've devolved so far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating to watch this play out uh, just in a, in a kind of a theoretical way. It's mm-hmm. uh, fascinating to watch it. Yeah, well, so we'll see. There's definitely law professors like watching this like in horror, but also in amazement. And they're like, this is oh, horrible, yeah. but I'm going to write so many papers on this. Oh, yeah. And you know <laughs> that we're going to be back here in, in a month or two talking about whatever legal thing he puts up to, to get out of this. So 100%. TBD or TBC, I guess. Mm-hmm. TBC. All right, well, let's move on to some of the smaller stories this week. And, and this one is, is very interesting. So Jay-Z, who we have two rappers on the show this week, Jay-Z, I guess, has a cognac brand. And he has a hunch that it's been severely mismanaged by Bacardi, either purposefully or mm. just negligence. But in order to discover what's going on, he is now suing Bacardi over the tanking of his cognac brand. So That's interesting. Let me ask you this. What was, do you know what was filed? Do you know what the lawsuit says by chance? I did not actually read the details. I'm sorry to say. No, that's fine. I tend to think, so there are certain kinds of lawsuits you could file depending on where you are and depending on the jurisdiction that are almost like not lawsuits. What they are is it's like, um, you could file certain kinds of lawsuits to literally compel documents. Like that is the relief you're seeking. And Delaware, I know that exists where you can compel the production of like certain corporate documents or internal documents. I'm guessing that's probably what it is, which sure. is is cool because when you think of a complaint, right? You're like, hey, I've been aggrieved in X, Y, Z ways. I'm seeking damages. Here you're saying I could be aggrieved, but there someone is stonewalling me so I can't get to the relief I want. I need those documents. So it's a very hmm. interesting kind of a lawsuit that you would not normally see. We're breaking all sorts of precedents here. What we're doing. <laughs> it's a, it's cool. It's a cool kind of lawsuit. It's, um, I think in Florida, I've seen it for discovery in like certain kinds of medical cases 
where you're like, I need these medical records. I'm running up on a statute of limitations or something called statute of repose. I need these documents. Give me these documents. And it's, it's yeah. the precursor to the bigger lawsuit. So it's like a, a lawsuit before the lawsuit. Well, just kind of reading what Bloomberg Law here is saying, they're saying uh, it was originally filed under seal on October 17th, mm-hmm. and it seeks documents under a state law giving limited liability company investors broad inspection yep. rights if they credibly suspect wrongdoing. That's it. That's exactly what's happening. That is cool. I mean, yeah. it's horrible. I hope Jay-Z is not getting, you know, like his ma- his brand is not getting dismanaged by Picardi, but selfishly as an attorney, it's cool to see this kind of uh, tool utilized. Mm-hmm. I don't know. For me, I'm like, it's kind of like the con- yeah, it's like the con law thing we just talked about. I'm like, this is horrible. Yeah. Keep going. I just want to see, <laughs> I just want to see how it plays out. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, kind of a bizarre little ending we're going to have here, which is an attorney in Maine, rather than do his uh, his uh, CLE, which I guess you know this better than me, is a continued law education. Is that what CLE yeah, is? That's right. He sent his legal assistant to do it. No. And he got uh, he got uh, suspended from the Maine Bar Association. <laughs> come on, man. Are you? If you're listening to this, if you're somehow a listener to this, come on, man. What are you doing? Oh my gosh! Literally. Some, so, so Oren, to give you and some of the listeners context, sometimes, I think generally speaking, you do. Like, I have to take ethics CLEs as well. Can you imagine sending your legal assistant to a CLE <laughs> and they talk about ethics in it? And you're like, like, that's fascinating. I should tell my boss yeah. about this when I get back. If he still works for the Bar Association, I should tell him about this. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, just, they, listen, they suck, but they're, most of them are online. They're just like videos at this point. Just just sit down and listen and watch the two-hour video. Don't don't send your legal assistant. That's all it is? It's a two-hour video? Like some of the videos I've watched, and it varies, right? Some of them are, I have like right. technology credits I have to do. They were like 30 minutes. And then I have other ones that were like estate planning. Super exciting. Sorry, estate planners, if you're listening to this. And it was like maybe two and a half hours. You're telling me this attorney risked and ultimately lost his membership to the bar, whatever we're calling it, over such a short, such an easy little thing? Like you could do all day events, but then again, that's like five or six hours sitting in like a little booth watching someone talk about bankruptcy law. Yeah, that's literally what they risked. Instead of going to watch Herbert, who's 90 years old, talking about the complexity of of, of bankruptcy law, he sent his legal assistant and got sanctioned by the bar. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> well, I hope nobody listening to this uh, is, is that dumb to do this. Please. But if you are yeah. a listener and this is something you're planning, for the love of everything, do not do Don't it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, pleasure as always, Matt, talking to you. And, and thanks again for walking me through these. And, and thanks to everybody for, for listening. We'll do this again next week. Yeah. Do it again. If you've noticed, I've, I've been kind of traveling. So I'll be back in the States next week and we'll do it. Uh, I like this international edition. This was a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, I've been traveling around France for all the listeners. So. <laughs> so there you go. Next week back in LA. Awesome, Hard. All right, we'll talk right, then. Talk then. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out also on LinkedIn and Twitter to keep up to speed with what we're doing. Catch you on the next one.